Blog Talk Radio. Interviewing your favorite musicians, comedians, and other creative souls. This is the Carrie Edelman Show. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Carrie Edelman Show. I am so excited tonight as we have the singer songwriter and guitarist. Chip Cooley coming on from the rock band Social Void. So it's going to be a really cool interview tonight. We're going to take you on an in-depth journey of um, his uh, depths into music and a bunch of other stuff that he's done. Um, but in the meantime, before I bring him on, I want to do a nice introduction for the band. And I also want to interview, I mean, sorry, it's been a long day. also want to introduce my show. So for anyone who's new and tuning in tonight, I started this show approximately, I can't believe it's been probably five to six years ago now, and I really wanted to create a forum where I could bring people on in the entertainment industry to support them. I've had the opportunity to do about 230 interviews, and um, Social Void is going to be one of the infamous interviews I'm going to do tonight, and they join a lot of really cool hard rock bands, rock bands, and metal bands on my show. Um, some of the national acts that I've had include Tremonti, Sick Puppies, Lacey Sturm of Flyleaf, Otherwise, Trivium, and a ton other. So if you'd like, check out any of the podcasts I have. All of my interviews are available to download. I also have comedians and filmmakers and a bunch of other people. So a little bit about my background. Um, I created this show because, as I mentioned, I really wanted to support people. And another thing is that I love interviewing people. Um, I have a doctorate degree in clinical psychology. And one of my passions is interviewing, so I wanted to combine my passion for entertainment, interviewing, supporting people in the industry, but I always um, throw out the disclaimer that my show is an entertainment show. We are not going to be doing any therapy, any type of analysis. Um, We do sometimes talk about psychology concepts in a more broader educational format if it's applicable to the discussion. So if you're tuning in, please create a Blog Talk Radio account by going to blogtalkradio.com. And now let's do a nice introduction for Social Void, and then we'll bring Chip on. So these guys are really cool. They originate from Somerville, South Carolina. And the band hasn't been around too long, and they recently released their, what I want to call, stellar debut album. It is titled Propeller. It's out now. And it's a really cool album. It combines a lot of elements of alternative, rock, soul. It also has an atmospheric quality to it, and he really includes a lot of textures with the music, which is something that really stood out to me. And the album is is definitely an amazing first album that these guys are putting out. The band features uh, his brother, too, Brent, who's also involved, and uh, they co-wrote, they produced, they recorded this album uh, by themselves, and they really did a phenomenal job with it. Some of the standout songs for me, and we're going to listen to one of them tonight, is um, Limbless. And I also like passing out as well as how to keep from turning back. So if you're out there right now listening, please pick up a copy of this album. They'll talk about tonight where you can download it and where it's accessible. And as I mentioned, we're just going to take you from kind of the beginning of these guys when they were uh, just little kids all the way through the final product of writing Propeller. So without further ado, let's bring Chip on. Hey, Chip, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you doing? Good. Thank you for joining me and coming on. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. So you're in um, Somerville, is that it? South Carolina? So we're based out of Somerville originally, but we actually live on some islands near Charleston. So I'm on John's Island right now. Oh, cool. Very cool. When did yeah. you When did you um, move there? 
Oh, man. Yeah, I've been coming out this way a lot since I was a kid, and I just fell in love with it. I moved out here about five or six years ago. So nice. out this way, and Very Brent cool. was on James Island and is now kind of in the West Ashley area. So kind of closer to Humberland. Okay. Okay. And how far are you guys from each other? Is it far or? Oh, not too bad. It's about 15 minutes. Oh, that's not bad at all. <laughs> that's not bad. Yeah. We're cool. close. We Very close. cool. Nice. Yeah, so we're going to get into talking about, you know, working with your brother, all that good stuff tonight. But let's start from the beginning a little bit. And, of course, I always throw out there, Chip, just whatever you feel comfortable sharing. So, you know, if there's if a topic comes sure. up that we get into and you don't want to, just we'll move on to something else, okay? So um, That's cool. I'm an open book with it, though. Okay, cool. Sure. So tell me a little bit about just from the very beginning, you know, as a little kid, describe yourself a little bit about – you know, what were you like? What was your personality like? Give us a little kind of paint a picture a little bit of yourself as a really little kid, and then we'll start to, you know, build into some of your interests and how you got involved in music, et cetera. Sure. Well, so as a little kid, um, I don't know, trying to think of a way to describe it, I guess. Um, <laughs> I was into my own world a little bit, <laughs> like a lot okay. of kids are, I guess. And I would kind of fixate on something for a while, and I think that's probably the thing that has helped me stick with doing this for so long is finding okay. a thing and just sticking with it and kind of being in my own little zone for a little bit. So, okay. but, um, and with um, music, we, we got into it pretty early. So. Okay, cool. And we'll just reflect back, you know, were you a little kid who was social? Did you like to be the center of attention or, you know, like you said, or were you someone who liked to maybe keep more to yourself, you know, draw, do things that were just maybe more of like a kind of, you know, individualized type of activity, so to speak. Yeah, so I think probably I, I kind of shot away from things that were a big group activity. Um, okay. Most of what I did was kind of, you know, I, I was social, but I think I liked had that balance of maybe wanting to be apart and do my own thing and liked a lot of freedom. I think I was a boundary pusher as a kid. So. Okay. All right. Were you someone in school that was like the class clown or, you know, or no? Oh, you yeah. I was, was, I was either a yeah. class clown or I was completely checked out. <laughs> so school, okay. I was not, school and I did not do very well together. <laughs> Okay, so, and I was going to ask you a little later about, right, you know, was school something you enjoyed or sure. was it something you just kind of pushed yourself through? But we'll, yeah, we'll move along to that a little later. And so the flip of that, too, up, is I, Brent I, is very different. Brent was very good with school, and he was very, you know, very social and immediately very, very good at getting in with a bunch of groups. So it's funny what a, okay. what a diverse couple of guys we are. So. Yeah, and please, by all means, I know he's not on you know, the air with us tonight, but by all oh, means, sure, yeah. include him and incorporate him into, so that's an interesting dynamic. Like you said, you guys are kind of sure. a 180 where, right, he's kind of this social guy, like school, and you were kind of more, like you said, by yourself Not and that. just kind of wanted to do your own thing. Um, mm-hmm. So growing up, you were into, I saw, which is cool, I'm, I'm a surfer, but we'll get into that in a minute, but I saw oh, that cool. you skateboarded and stuff. So pull in a little bit of some of the you know, sports you did growing up, activities, things like that, that, you know, would be unique that people wouldn't know about you? Sure. Well, so I did skateboard. Um, I wasn't great at it, <laughs> but um, okay. but I did the, you know, I think somebody told me once skateboarding is like 80% falling, and I was like the epitome of that. I think I was more than 80% probably falling, but it was very fun. Okay. But, um, but yeah, I was a lot better at surfing, I think, than skating. Skating was it was one of those things that I wanted to be good at, and I did it a bunch of times, and I loved going out and doing that all day long, like all Saturday, just morning to night, but never really took on with it quite as well as my buddies did, but yeah, I loved doing that, and that and was kind of it sports-wise. I, was, I did some stuff when I was yep. younger, but I wasn't really great at you know baseball or basketball or any of that. Brent was a natural athlete, did all that stuff very well, but um, but 
kind of the independent sports, I think, were my thing. Okay. And with skating, were you doing more street stuff? Were you doing ramps? Was it a combination? Um, all street stuff. Um, yeah, I love mini ramps. It's a lot of fun, but I, I kind of just would get a skateboard and me and a friend or me and a group of friends would just go out and put a book bag on. And back when, I don't know if you remember the days of, you know, having video cameras that were like literally had a cassette tape in them, you know, or a giant, and not okay. cassette, but a <laughs> giant VHS tape right. in them. You just carry that around like this behemoth, you know, we'd have in our book bags until the, the days before digital cameras, but we'd carry those around and try to film spots and stuff. Okay. All right. And real quick, pull in. What was um, maybe the top sport that you know Brent enjoyed doing? Sure. I think football was kind of his thing. He was really good at pretty much everything he picked up. But um, he, you know, he could hit every shot on the court in basketball, and you know, naturally just really gifted athlete. But you know, football. That was that was probably it. That's the one I remember him talking about the most. Okay. Okay. And he was also, I know you said that surfing was definitely more of your thing. So, and he was someone who introduced you to that, correct? He did. Yeah. He, he picked that up just kind of in high school. He was kind of more of the preppy type and I was more of the, you know, skater type, I guess. And we used to rag on each other all the time, but it's funny how we kind of merged and he got a little bit more into skateboarding and I got really into surfing. So, and he introduced me to it and I loved it. After that, I was kind of hooked. It was just so relaxing. Nice. So. How, and how old were you, Chip, when you started surfing? I was probably, I think the first time he took me out there, I was probably maybe 15, maybe 14 or 15, something like that. Freshman year, I think. Okay. Okay. Um, and he what was type of, what just of, into college oh, and had a nice car and stuff. It was cool. We'd, we'd go go fast over the bridge heading out that way, and he kind of showed me the ropes a little bit. So. Nice. And what's the age range between you and Brent? It's about four-year gap, three and a half, four years. Okay. Uh, and it's okay. funny, as we've gotten older, I guess that feels a lot smaller, you know. Sure. And I think, yeah, I think that's natural. As you get older, you don't see that gap as much as when you're, like, 8 and he's, like, you know, 12 or whatever. You know what I mean? The difference is oh, yeah. so definitely. Definitely. Um, one more question about surfing, and then we'll move on. What type of what type of board sure. do you ride? Are you riding, like, a fun shape or a long board? And what brand do you use? <laughs> oh, that's a good question, actually. I like that. Uh, yeah, I actually am riding a wave riding machine, or wave riding vehicle. Wow. It's a um, it's a stingray. I love it. It's a uh, got it's a tri fin, but it's got a fishtail, so it's very good at turning. And it, it's big enough. It's sort of like it's not very long, but it's wide nose, so it's sort of like a boat. Mm-hmm. So I can pretty much catch anything. And if you're familiar nice. with Charleston surfing, you kind of have to have something versatile because it's pretty bad out here. <laughs> How big? Yeah. Well, I'm I'm from Jersey, so it's well, and I'm I'm only oh, about yeah. five foot, so I can I can ride a two foot wave, and people laugh. It's over my head. So. <laughs> hey, that's all right. <laughs> if it's clean, that's all I care about. <laughs> what about out there? Do you guys get any storm surf, or is it is it usually pretty small? You know, I used to try to get the storm surf. I mean, that we would, you know, we get hurricanes a lot, and so when that would come through, mm-hmm. you know, I I used to try to do that all in high school. I can't now. My wife would kill me if I went out surfing when it when it starts, you know, hurricane weather. But um, right. but when I was when I belonged to myself only, I could do that. <laughs> um, okay. But yeah, going out now, I just kind of go when it's really chill and the tide's not too too bad, and I can just kind of have a relaxing day with it. I don't think I have the aggressive streak ahead with it when I was a kid, where you're trying to compete and trying yeah. to get in the pecking order or anything. Mhm. Um, okay. Nice. Nice. Well, thank you for sharing that. That's always cool stuff to learn. So let's sure. start to get a little bit into now music. So I know you said really young age you were starting to get involved. And, you know, share with us, I don't know if you can remember, what was your first 
memory, you know, that inspired you as a little kid? How old were you? And yeah, what was it that started to make you want to pursue music? Well, it's funny. There's a couple of things. I think with, with music, you know, specifically, my mom was really musical and her side of my family was really musical too. My dad loved music. He used to have a pile of Beatle records and all sorts of things in his bedroom and he'd put them on. And I remember listening to that or like Cat Stevens or some of that old, just kind of chill music, I guess. Then he had Grand Funk Railroad, which is totally different, but he put on records Mm -hmm. for me and I'd I always really get into whatever he was playing. Just I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. Um, and my mom was such a great singer. She has kind of a background in that. And so she taught me a lot about it. I don't know that I've got her gift for it, but you know, it's one of those things she, um, she kind of gave us an opportunity to learn if we wanted to. And Brent and I both picked it up, you know, really enjoyed it early on. Cool. And I got a guitar when I was four years old for my uncle. And I was, that was it. That was the most natural thing in the world after that. So Okay, and with and with singing, like you said, your mom definitely probably gave you some some pointers, so to speak. Did you take any form of oh, guitar yeah. lessons, or are you someone that just taught yourself? Well, I did. Yeah, I, I took lessons from a really nice guy for a couple of years, but I just got really bored with it. Um, wasn't his fault. It was you know it was the way you do lessons, but and I've since mm-hmm. taught, so I understand where you're coming from. But I just got got bored. I wanted to. I think it was less about learning how to play guitar. It was more about just learning how to use it for what I wanted to use it for. And, you know, the way you learn lessons is so traditional. You're learning chord structures, and I don't think that was as important to me. So I got bored, kind of learned my own way with it, and then kind of picked up pointers here and there over the years. Nice, nice. And and your mom, was that's what she was? Was she a vocal teacher? Um, She was, actually. She still uh, teaches voice, and she's given me pointers over the years, and it's funny how, you know, I totally admire her ability and what she does, but I never really was able to just – you know, when it's your own mom, I guess you just don't pay enough attention or something because she's been telling me things right. over the years. And when it finally clicks, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's what you're talking about. And, you know, but mm-hmm. but um, guitar was easier, definitely. Voice, my mom was great at teaching it, and I just, I think I was a stubborn kid and just didn't listen for years. So Right. <laughs> and is this something so. that she does privately outside of her home, or does she, you know, work in some type of a school mm-hmm. system? I think she's done it privately most of the time. She um she was kind of a hired singer for years and she, you know, she's worked in different nice. different areas of that, but she's taught off and on I think over the years just privately. Okay. And what what genre wise and when you said your mom was hired as a singer like what was the style of music she would do? Well, so she actually she sang um you know, different things. She would do gospel, she would do um, you know, Pretty much when you say genre, it's kind of hard to pick one she didn't do. Um, she's very versatile with it, and she kind of tried to teach me to do that. But as I've kind of learned over the years, my voice is very distinctly one way, but that's probably something I admire mm-hmm. about her is that she can really funnel it into different styles very well. So, And when cool. she would she would get hired either for gigs specifically or she would actually, I think, you know, was singing out in a regular show for a little while at one point. So, Okay. Cool. What about your dad? What does he do for a living? Um, he is, so he's a banker when I was a kid and I think that's kind of evolved over the years, uh, just in the different areas of working with money. You know, he's, um, was a mortgage lender for years. Um, and then he kind of Mm -hmm. started working with a builder on site doing that sort of thing. So kind of works with a builder right now. Okay. Nice. And any other siblings besides Brent? Nope. Just Brent. Um, and that's more than enough. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And what is, in addition to music, of course, and we'll talk more about Brent as we go into the interview, what does he do? You said he sure. went to college. What did he um, go to school for, and 
what does he do for work now if he does something outside of sure. music? Well, so he uh, he's working right now. Um, he's actually a really good fisherman, and so he's uh, kind of working wow. with fishing gear, selling selling equipment, that sort of thing. We both run um, – I run an audio business, and he kind of does something similar. He'll do installs on boats or, you know, he'll do – recently he's been doing an installation of a projector for a church, that sort of thing. So. Okay. Nice. But, um, nice. Very where, good. Yeah, he's done a lot pretty much in the in the fish audio and video industry. You know that one. <laughs> mhm. Very cool. Yeah. And um, you, you said, like you said, school was not necessarily your thing. Did you go on to any type of vocational school or college after high school, or no? You were just kind of like, I did oh, high no. school. And yeah, good. I barely made it out of there. <laughs> I made Aww. I made it out of there by the grace of God. <laughs> it was uh, I had some really nice teachers, and uh, one of them was actually uh-huh. my father-in-law. Now, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I uh, I had to have a lot of help getting through it. I had really bad panic sort of for years, and you know, I not to mention I was kind right. of a jackass, so I don't think that that was a good combination for class, you know. And so I, I kind of, when I got out of it, I was I was happy to be done. And I had been right. doing audio engineering at that point for a few years, and kind of studying that because I cared about that, and, and I just kind of picked that up afterward. Okay, that's it. That sounds like that's your thing, which is great. And when you say audio engineering, oh, yeah. are you talking about working with? companies or producing bands or just give us a little more detail with what you do with that um doing commercial or residential installs mostly commercial uh installing sound systems you know i've i've done tried to be a jack of all trades master of none with it you know anything that relates to audio in any way i do that so Mm -hmm. nice very good okay so as you mentioned school is not necessarily your thing. And when did you first get into your, you know, first band, let's say, because I know that you were in a heavier project mm-hmm. before you started to unfortunately, you know, get more panic disorder symptoms, depression right. and other stuff, which eventually led to you writing this album, which came out phenomenally. But so, yeah, what was that? Thank what you. Was that other band? That. Yeah, absolutely. What was the band that you were in before things started to not go well? Um, and um, what was the name of it? Well, what the type one of genre before that was, was it? called Anodyne. Yeah, it was um, it was like kind of a grunge thing. Um, okay. There are early shades of what we do now, but it was it was definitely more about, you know, I loved the band Tool back then. I was listening to them a lot yeah. and Deftones and everything I was trying to do, I think, was emulate something like that and, you know, find a guitar riff that stood out to me and then we'd write a song around that. I mean, it was always lyrics first, but that's how I'd get melodies and it was very different. And mm-hmm. the name of the band was Anodyne and we actually gave that, that name up uh, during the process just because we found out there was a really successful band out of, I think, Boston or something with that name. Yeah. And, I mean, they were killing it, so it was kind of hard to compete with that. So right, we, uh, right. we dropped the name and never settled on one after that. So Okay. But, and were you singing and playing guitar for that one? I was, yeah. So it was similar to what we okay. do now, um, but it was three-piece. It was just me and Brent, and we had a, about three different drummers during the course of time with that. Okay. Okay, so, and that's around what year now, just so we can kind of get a timeline? So, right after high school, um, I had, you know, I've had bands off and on since middle school, but none of them that were all that serious or got anywhere. That was probably the first one that was really serious, and that was mm-hmm. 05, I think. I graduated in 04. Um, okay. So, 05, we started doing things, playing shows, and kind of hanging around town a little bit, trying to find venues and stuff. Okay, okay. And then what's what happened that things started to not go well, supposedly, with the band sure. when you were not feeling well? And then that's what led to... Yeah, I think, that we had a big hand in that. 
um, it, it was sort of like it, I guess it evolved a little bit, but yeah, I mean, it did kind of crumble. It, what happened was we, you know, because of what I was dealing with our drummer at the time, I think just had to move on with life a little bit. Cause I was, you know, I was falling behind and not able to meet some of our deadlines for getting the album done. And mm-hmm. you know, I couldn't go out and do shows as well. I was having more trouble, you know, trouble. It's funny. It, it's never really impeded my ability to perform, but it's always impeded my ability to get in the car and go somewhere, you know, when I was dealing with right. it. And it had just gotten so bad. I wasn't really, I, we, during that time we moved away from Somerville and moved out towards the beach. Um, Somerville's about, about an hour inland from the beach. And um, we moved out towards the Johns Island side, that sort of thing and lived near the beach. And during that time I was so far from our drummer and Brent was living up, I think maybe North Charleston at the time. Um, then he moved a little closer, but North Charleston is also about 40 minutes from there. So I moved kind of far away from everybody. And sure. Yeah. During that time I was really having trouble getting, getting across that gap. And so it just kind of dissolved a little bit. We, we, it was funny the second we got on the radio with, you know, our, our one song we were kind of hoping would be a hit or something, you know, we hadn't finished the album yet and we produced Mm -hmm. a local engineer on John's Island actually. And um, there was a local radio station here that was playing it and, you know, we got loads of good support and our friends were calling in for it and all that sort of stuff. And it right. just, you know, it's right before everything just kind of got worse. And I, I thought maybe, you know, it, I don't think the pressure had anything to do with it getting worse. I think it's just, just bad timing. You know, my, my panic just sort of right. got a lot worse and that sort of thing. And if, if you don't mind me asking, you said that you struggled in school, so you had symptoms early on. Oh, I'm yeah, uh, with, pretty much since the panic. about four years old as well. So. Oh, wow. Okay. And it and ramped up a lot in high school. Right. Um, I guess thing, and I, I always like to just educate, you know, the audience, again, and this is in more sure. of a, gen, like I said, a general format. Was was there something right. that you did coping skill-wise, whether it was seeking treatment, just to, you know, destigmatize people, unfortunately, see mental health conditions. And, you know, unfortunately, there's sure. still a stigmatism with it, and it's a shame because, they are real, they're debilitating, and there are, you know, great oh, yeah. services out there for people to get, whether it's therapy, medication, a combination of the two. So what was it, besides, of course, music, which was definitely therapeutic for you, was there anything that you sure. did that you found, you know, greatly helpful? Definitely. Um, you know, the best counsel I ever got on that was, um, and my my mom and dad were really, I mean, kind of champions for me during that. I think that's pivotal, you know, when Mm-hmm. You need some sort of security, I think, and and they were really good about giving me just time and not letting the world cave in on me when that was going on. Um, sure. And so you know, I think that was part of it, not having to go out and work a full time job or work a part time job around school and all that. They didn't have these expectations like that. They just they just wanted me to be able to come back to at least neutral, you know, and see what we mm-hmm. could do. And so my mom definitely was by my side a lot. Um, during that time I developed like an eating disorder and she, you know, she would say, okay, I'm wow. not eating until you eat, you know, that sort of thing. So I think, right. I think that relationship was huge. Um, and she yeah, also encouraged support. me to get some counseling too. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. And I did get some counseling that helped me set some good goals. And that was, that was a big thing I took away from psychology. I think is what it was. So, you know, a psychologist helped me out. Sure. No, that's, and she that's, gave me that's a point or two. She to... said something about being more, you know, putting your, you're thinking over your emotions. And so she would say like, do a Rubik's cube or something. And that, that was kind of a coping mechanism for me. Okay. Okay. So some distraction techniques and definitely, like you said, the support Absolutely. of your family is just enormous. And then of course, getting oh, yeah, some support parents. from a professional. Okay. Mm-hmm. So while you were unfortunately in the throes of this, this is when you also were 
writing for this album, correct? That's correct. Yeah, actually, I've you know I have not stopped writing since I was probably in middle school, I think, and you know I never really knew what it was exactly for all the time, but yeah, I was always very expressive that way. So. Okay. And what was it specifically again about? I guess you were kind of were you locking yourself in your room and just just really honing in on writing and producing and sure. everything that you did for the album. Yeah, a lot of um, so you know we said 2005 about 2006 is when we moved. That was 2007 we moved out to the beach, and that's kind of when things started getting really worse. Um, and we were on like our third drummer at that point, you know, and it and it just I think our second drummer at that point didn't hold hold quite together and during that time I had really nice room it was a an easy space to kind of set up all my equipment and I you know I never really my fortunate because most of my interests that you know people would go out and spend money on for fun my interests are also the things I was doing for work with audio or the things I would do Mm -hmm. you know with music so I had accumulated a little bit of equipment and during that time period you know I was just learning the craft a little bit I had a, a mentor that kind of would answer every question I'd have. I just call them and I wasn't very shy about calling people. You know, I, I think I called the head of <laughs> right. TV industries one time and just asked him questions one time, you know? And so I'd ask a lot of questions and just obsessively poured over it, you know? So, mm-hmm. And during that time I kind of honed it a little bit. So this is around 2007 ish. That's right. Yeah. So in 07, yeah. that's when that started going on. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, and then that's when you're writing. And how long did it take you? And we'll get into this a little more later, too, because I want to definitely play the song shortly. Um, In terms of, you know, composing this album and writing it, how long time-wise did it take you about? Probably about 10 years. Um, We had written, you know, I've written three albums before that, but this one, you know, each one of them, there was always something that held it back from, from getting finished. And this mm-hmm. one ended up being the one that actually made it through. <laughs> and I'm thankful for that. I think the first two were a little bit, a little bit um, too out there. I think some of it was, I wasn't expressing it as well. So I finally crafted it for this one, but yeah, this one, it, it was probably 10 solid years of writing and hundreds of songs, several drafts. And mm-hmm. I, I'll write several songs lyrically and I'll only get maybe 10 or 12 melodies, um, but I'll get hundreds of lyrics and just, take from that if I say something just the right way and I'll kind of try to use phrases like like a brush stroke or something and use it to mean several different things you know and kind of my brother and I are really bad about uh, quoting TV and quoting movies and books and things we like (laughs) and so I kind of and we do reference stuff a little bit on the album but we reference ourselves a little bit too like I think there's references to the old albums on this album and you know, we'll use a line and it'll be in another song and you'll go, okay, well, that's a cue into that song a little bit. So tried to write it that right, way too. Yeah. Brent, Brent and I get very bored, uh, bored very quickly. So <laughs> like to have a lot okay, of circuitous okay. writing. So. Yeah, no, I mean, lyrically it, it's great. It, and I like, it's very, you know, it's very open-ended. I think people can, you know, like you said, you can hear sometimes what you're speaking about, but I think it's also open-ended sure. to the point that people can apply it to their own lives and relate to it just how, how they see fit. You know what I mean? And I thought that's Yeah, that's what song. we hope for it. Yeah. yeah. You know, as as much yeah. as my story is important to me, I do I do want it to be something people can relate to in their own way. Um I've heard three different interpretations of what they thought I meant with it from people who've you know talked to me about it and I love that. So I love anybody yeah. to be able to identify with it and find something in it they can I guess I kinda want it to be memory hooks for somebody or like a soundtrack for a time in somebody's life a little bit, you know. Definitely. Definitely. Well I think you guys definitely 
hit the nail on the spot with that one because, yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's do this. Let's talk a little bit about, as I said, you know, Limbless definitely was one of the ones that really stood out to me initially. And I, I listened Ooh, to the album that. first, you know, multiple times. Um, but, yeah, there was cool. something well, about awesome. that one. I appreciate that. Thanks. Yeah. yeah, even as like, I don't know, just a single, there was something about it. It had a little bit of, you know, I'm not comparing you to Oasis, but I could hear kind of that oh, in your right. voice a little bit, and even musically, and it's, it's a great band. That's I mean, really you funny you said band. that, actually. Go ahead. We have never had that What's comparison, that? but I used to amp myself really? up to do the vocals listening to the opener off of Morning Glory. Yep. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, I Because he's so haphazard with his voice on that one, and I was, I was going for that, because... Uh, I'm a little bit inward sometimes with my voice and it's hard to cut loose sometimes. So, and he cuts loose so well, I was using that song to get ramped up. So that's a really cool comparison actually. No, I mean, I hear, I hear elements of that actually throughout the whole album, but that one particularly for me just really stood out. Yeah, definitely. And it's funny too, because I miss, I miss some of those nineties bands. You know what I mean? Like I'm trying to think off the top of my head right now. I can't, Oh, there's a couple I have saved in Sirius XM that pop up every now and again. I can't even think of the names right now. Maybe it'll come to me, but, um, yeah, yeah. I'm with you there. Yeah. Yeah. That's the time period I really related to most, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, like live, um, live is fantastic. Oh yeah. What's the band that sings the song Chasing Blue Cars or something? I can't think of it right now. Oh, it's killing me. It's a 90s Oh, I'm band. not thinking of what you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's funny. Live, I was just <laughs> listening yeah. to Throwing Copper the other day. I love that album so much. Yeah. Yeah. I've been yeah, listening so, to okay. to that, and Smashing Pumpkins is a big one for us, too, definitely. Yeah, so. there you go. Cool stuff. So, yeah, so tell us a little bit about Limbless and, and just – you know, conceptually, what was that song meaningful for you in terms of how would you describe it a little bit? And then we'll check it out. Sure. So Limbless is kind of the point in the album, you know, it, it's all chronological, um, you know, and there's several different things we're trying to say with each one. But a quick summary of that one would probably be, you know, the feeling of trying to convince yourself that, you know, when you feel kind of crazy, I mean, everybody feels that way at some point. So like, wow, I'm the only one that feels this way. And mm-hmm realizing, you know, I guess the deeper depths of how weird you can be <laughs> and saying, <laughs> right. this is normal, right? <laughs> and then ultimately sure, it's really absolutely. not, I guess, but that is that kind of almost incredulous, like this, I can't be the only one who feels this way, you know? And I think mm-hmm. um, it's also, it comes right after The Idiot, which is kind of making light of, um, it's a reference to a book Brent Loves by Dostoevsky, uh, The Idiot. Not that you have to know that to appreciate the song. It's really just a light reference, but it follows that one because that song kind of picks on my obsessive nature, or my fixating on something. And Limbless is kind of the flip of that. It's it's not the humor of it so much as, you know, it's like, wow, I really can't help this. This is really something I, I need help with, you know? And I think that song is anytime you feel that way, you know, anybody that has had that feeling of, wow, I've really got a problem, you know? And that, that's mm-hmm. what Limbless is a lot about is obsessing over something, I guess. Okay. Okay, so let's do this. I'll put you on hold. We're going to check out the track, and then we'll come back. And real quick, where just, you know, list real quickly, and we'll, of course, at the close of the interview, talk about it, too. Where can people download the album right now? Sure, so they can find it pretty much anywhere. Um, Amazon, you can download it there. Uh, iTunes, um, you can stream it on Spotify. Yeah, so and we're happy any way anyone wants to do it. If they want to download it or stream it or whatever, we, we could use the followers and listens. We really appreciate it, so. Cool. All right. Well, let's do this. I'll put you on hold and we'll check out Limbless and then we'll come back. Okay. All right. Thank you. All right. Thanks. 
All right, everyone. Again, Chip Cooley from the rock band Social Void. We're going to check out, as I said, one of my personal favorites, Limbless, and it definitely has that Oasis quality and flavor to it. So if you're fans of Oasis, you're going to really like this song. Not that you won't if you're not, but um, let's check out Limbless, and we'll be back in a moment.
Welcome back to the Carrie Edelman Show. Again, Social Void and what I want to call one of their hit songs, Limbless, you just heard. So please pick up a copy of their album, Propeller. It is a full-length album. It's out now. And as Chip mentioned, it is on Spotify to stream. You can also pick it up on Amazon as well as download it on iTunes. And I'm sure there's other social media sites, too, that you can check it out. And also be sure to follow them on uh, Twitter. They're at Social Void Bands. They're also on Instagram and Facebook too. So let's bring Chip back on. All right, Chip, welcome back. All right, thanks. <laughs> you there? Cool, cool, great, great, great song. You know, it's something I like about it too. And, and again, I do tend to like overly produce music sometimes, but I have to say I really like kind of the organic quality about it. And I think that's something that you know it's really cool about you guys. It's it's not overproduced. It's not yeah. I think that's something that's really cool with your band. I had to make a rule for myself, actually. I, I almost did do that, <laughs> so I'm glad to hear yeah. we did. Um, yeah, I, I would only give myself about a half a day on each part to mix instead of, you know, sometimes okay. before this version, it was like weeks at a time, so I'm glad to hear that work. So. Yeah, no, it did, and I it's funny. I have I do some music on the side. We'll talk sometime if you want off the air, but I remember the person sure. I was working with, and I didn't. That's my own stuff. I have my own issues, but I should have released these songs probably a year or two ago. They're done, and it was actually a tour. Oh, I know the feeling. (laughs) My show. Yeah, so I had this great opportunity. I worked with this amazing singer-songwriter, I mean, songwriter and producer, and um, that was one thing he wanted to, you know, he was great with me, but I was just just total OCD. You know, always wanted to go back and this little word and that little word. He's like, and he's like, you're going to make it worse. He's like, no, 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 you need to stop. Yeah. So oh, I it's, it's very tough. I have that. a group of accountability people that help me not do that because I, I used to right. spin out of control with that stuff. I think I had right. a meltdown last right. time I tried to do things where I was just left to my own devices doing it. <laughs> exactly. So I can totally empathize and relate to you on that level. Um, so, yeah, so let's talk a little bit about Propeller now. So how did you – why did you choose Propeller, which is an instrumental track, correct, on the album, sure. as the, um, yeah, the, the title for change, it? Yeah, doesn't it? <laughs> No, 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 it doesn't. Um, I mean, well, it's hey, whatever you, you want know, to do. You know, it's funny. Um, that song is one of the oldest ones on the album, and How to Keep and King Nine are two of the older ones, too, and they're right there, and I knew I wanted to connect them with that. Um, it just, all three of those songs in order kind of fit. That's been one of the staples of that, you know, of that album when I was working on it was, well, that's that's where those are going to go, you know, and they're going to be mm-hmm. essentially the last three songs before Let Light, which is kind of a tag, I think. Um but, yeah, I went with that one because um, – so there's a concept in the album, and it doesn't really jump out of the album very much. Um, and, I, you know, it might just be for me to enjoy, I guess. But it's the left side I kind of think of as the past. The middle I think mm-hmm. of as the present. And the right side I think of as the future. I heard this con- this contemporary composer one time, Arvo Part, said that the instruments were like having a conversation. Um, he's a minimalist. And I thought, man, I love that, you know, and – so this yeah, album is cool. kind of a conversation between those three pieces. And 
I know that's, you know, it kind of made me think of, wow, it's, it's almost like it's just spinning around the entire time, the, the conversation between the left and right side. And, you know, that theme fit really well. And that song got named that because my mom heard that instrumental song and I'd written it for something else entirely uh, for my wife, actually, for something else. And mm-hmm. my mom heard the song and she said, wow, that sounds like a propeller. And I said, what, my guitar? And she said, yeah, the, the noise, it's like a propeller blade. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was it. That's where it came from. Neat. And I think it, I think that's a cool way, like you described the album being the past, the present, and the future. And I think it's an interesting title. And, and here's my psychology. I'm going to take a stab at this, whether I'm right or wrong. But that's I think right. I, I love to hear that. <laughs> but just the word itself, oh, wow. I think conceptually, I'm sure propeller has yeah. many meanings to it. But you finally kind sure. of moved forward, and you were able to get the album yeah, done, that, and you were able to get it out there. And I think that's a cool... I like that, you know too, because that was kind of hope is this would be the yeah. thing that would open that up for us a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, that was exactly. one of the one of the things we had thought about with it. So that's cool that you picked that up. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and while we're talking about the title, let's talk a little bit um, about the, the artwork and the, the cover for it. So who put that together? Oh, brilliant artist that I know. I'm very fortunate. <laughs> Um, okay. It's a girl named Hannah Malone. She lives nearby. She's um, dating a really close friend of mine, and she, you know, she was into our music. And her her boyfriend, you know, close friend of mine, Joseph, was just really instrumental in getting me to finally finish this thing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a couple of friends that just cared about it and known for years, uh, Joseph and Jeremy. They they just one day were like, hey, you know, we want to see you finish this thing up. We want to want to help you get it done. And over the course of time, mm-hmm. she had heard it, and she got, I think, you know, I had asked her, just because I loved her artwork, if she would be interested in the cover, and, man, she did a tremendous job, didn't she? <laughs> so, she did, yeah, good. and talk a little bit about it, because, again, I think conceptually it's 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 abstract. It definitely is. Sure. Um, I guess it's almost like a Rorschach. You know, you can kind of look at it and make your own interpretation of what it might mean, but I think oh, definitely. the colors are interesting, too. You know, you got the dark with the black, but then you really have this nice turquoise and some, like, kind of you know, yellow shining sure. through, so to speak. So, yeah, tell us a little bit about, I guess, for you, what was the, the goal with that album cover? So it was kind of influenced. I was looking at um, a World Fair book that we had. It was just this big coffee table book. can't remember if mm-hmm. Meg, my wife, got it or if I got it from my parents, but it was just in our, our apartment. And it was um, really interesting. It had this kind of, like, circle and, like, a triangle shape next to it, like the World's Fair symbols, I guess. And that was a big part of it. And I knew those shapes. I just wanted something abstract with those shapes. I kind of wanted the art on the album to reflect what we were trying to do musically, you know, being abstract, mm-hmm. but have a purpose, you know, and, and uh, tied together concept. And she did a lot of drafts of stuff. She did something with marbles at one point, something with those shapes. And eventually, you know, she had an entire page of just things she had done in watercolor. And that was that section. We just kind of, you know, my wife's really good at, um, photo editing and, and graphic design. So she kind of chopped it up nice. and placed it and that, and they worked together, but yeah, the colors, I mean, everything with that just came together so well. And I love the, the left, right, and middle of that kind of makes sense a little bit too. You know, it's one side it's turned one way and the other side's turned a different way. I, I kind of see things in it too, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. No, it's really, it's really cool. Really cool album cover. Um, so yeah, introduce, I know that, you know, you and Brent are, the primary core of the band, but you also have some other members, right, that you guys work with and we that do. Uh, do shows with you? Yeah, so please, you know, introduce them, right. what they what they play, and maybe something interesting about each of the members. 
Sure. Yeah, they're interesting guys. I'm happy to talk about them. Um, yeah, actually, okay. so Charles is our drummer, and um, he had gotten involved because about, gosh, probably a year before we started working on it, I'd recorded, I was just trying to do a quick version of them, get them done and out there just so I could at least demo it or something, and Brent and I could figure out what the next step was, and, you know, this was before we had everything finished with it song-wise, but I I did that and I did I did the drums on it and I'm not a drummer by nature I'm I'm a guitarist so okay. like a guitarist playing the drums and Charles <laughs> has you know been playing drums for years and you know he's gone on tours and things like that and he's a buddy of ours and he was listening he's like I like these songs you should get a drummer to play the drums I was like I was thinking well yeah I'd like to get you to play the drums you know but I didn't right. want to impose on him and and he got involved and you know man I gotta I gotta hand it to him he stuck it out through very long, arduous recording process. So, uh, of feeling each other out, learning each other's process recording. So, but, um, but yeah, he, he did the drums on the album for pretty much all the songs except for interlude. Um, that one was just recorded before and he thought it was good. So we left it, but the, um, the other guys, we added, uh, Elijah Kuzia for keys, um, about a year ago. Um, he heard the music and he was a friend of mine and he is just phenomenal keyboard player. Um, and he was producing his own music, and I thought, man, this guy is like, you know, like me with the audio thing, but better. <laughs> and so he, you know, had a really good mind for audio, and he got involved. And I remember thinking, wow, we really are not going to be able to play these songs live because <laughs> there's so many weird things that happen in them, and a lot of our noises right. aren't synth because Brent and I didn't have a lot of equipment for that. So I might grab like a weird thing and play my guitar a funny way, or you know, Brent would play a piano mm-hmm. part and we'd reverse it, you know, put it through a distortion pedal or something, but. You know, so we did a lot of weird things to make noises, and I thought, there's no way I can recreate any of that. Heck, I think the idiot has an entire section of just reverse guitar. And right. when he listed, he's like, oh, no, I can do that. And he's he's a magician. So everything he does, pretty much, I say, uh, can you make this noise happen? He's like, oh, sure. Two seconds later, he's got it. So so he's kind nice. of our catch-all. Um, and um, Quell, Quell Graham got involved probably about three months ago, and it's just amazing how quickly he fit into things. I got connected to a mutual friend of ours, um, and he just is like a brother, immediately just fit in with the group, um, or really tighten it, you know, and I think you have to be to play music like this live without making yeah. it. It can either sound really chaotic or it can sound really good, I think, if you just get right. it right, but it's, you know, it's such a tricky thing to do, and man, he's memorized loads of guitar parts, and yeah, the whole album in three months, and that was that was not easy to do. Not that it's hard guitar, it's just so many things. And so he's Yeah, he's yeah, a, but it's, it's a lot. Yeah. Job, so. yeah. Great. So with these guys now, have you guys have played and correct me if I'm wrong, did you just play your first show all together recently? We did, yeah. It was um it was okay. a lot of fun actually. Yeah. We just played a local record store. It's kinda of one of the only ones around still. Actually it's the only one I'm aware of, um, in the area, wow. but kind of a local uh uh, local institution, Monster Music and Movies, and you know we were had a connection there, and they were like, "Hey, you wanna you wanna you know play a show here?" So we did did about a forty five minute set, and, and we had a had a great time. So. That's great. That's great. And where do, where are you guys at now with um, shows for the future? And also, please pull in. I know you're working with the manager Warren um, Gettler, who's the one who introduced sure. me to you guys, and I want to of course you know thank him for that and uh, hooking me up with sure. you to have the interview. So, yeah, how did you meet him? How did you get involved with him? And, you know, talk a little bit about what's in store for uh, 2018. Sure. Yeah, that's, um, that's a very interesting story, actually. So he was just in town. Him, his son was at CFC, um, and he was just in town visiting him last summer. And Brent and I were just 
you know, just one night Brent said, man, you know, I know we have more work to do. We'd been working on preparing the songs to play them live. It really wasn't, you know, it was harder than we thought it was going to be. You know, once, once we got Eli, I thought, oh, that's, that's the hard part. And there was so much more to it than that. And so when we got that figured out, this was really even before we met Quell. So we didn't have all that ironed out, but we were tightening up just me and Charles and Brent and Eli. And we just wanted to play out. And Brent said, let's go downtown and just play at the market. So we played at the market and, you know, right towards probably the end of it, we we're playing, I think I was playing a Radiohead cover or something. And okay. this guy walks by and he sat there for a couple of songs and he heard it. And he's like, man, you guys got it. I was like, oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. And he, he he's like, and I said, here, take an album. And he gave us a 20. I was like, oh, dude, it doesn't cost 20 bucks. I don't think he heard me. He walked <laughs> off. And um, he's like, you know, I've got a connection up in D.C. Maybe if you want to come up there and play some shows. I was like, okay, cool. So he uh, didn't know I'd ever hear from him again, that kind of thing, and thought, man, right, that guy's right. going to be disappointed because I'm not Radiohead, and <laughs> that's not an acoustic right. album. So <laughs> thought if he likes that, that's probably not what he's expecting. So, um, And I was just floored. I got an email from a couple months later, just totally flattering, totally supportive, and just all in. It was really cool. And since then, he's cool. done an amazing job of getting people to tune into who we are and, and care about it. And that's the thing Brent and I really don't know. You know, we've, we've had years of working on making something. So sure. I have somebody that can do that. So. And is he a little bit about his background? Is he involved with other bands in terms of managing other projects, or just this is something he does? On I think the he side? just represents us and maybe one other one. But he he's a, cool. a writer. You know, he had he had done that. Um, he's written you know I think a couple of books, and he's been a contributor to different publications and things like Washington. I right. think Wall Street Journal. I think he had contributed to and Washington Post, I believe. And, you know, he just. Um, just a good networker, just naturally a nice guy. I think people like him right off, and he's a very good, um, very good salesman. I think people just trust him when he says, you know, this is going to be something. You know, heck, I believed him when he said right. it to me, and I, I'm me. <laughs> so he, he told me <laughs> right. on it. You know, so. that's great. No, that's great that you were able to connect with him. And again, things happen for a reason. I always say that, you know. And for whatever reason, oh, yeah. you guys were meant to be there that day, and he was meant to be walking by. And yeah, it's just crazy. I mean, just only a handful of people pop by, and one of them was the guy that would end up being able to help mm-hmm. us. That was really cool. So. Definitely, definitely. So, who are who are some of your influences personally? I know we, you know, we talked about live a little bit, Smashing Pumpkins. You know, some of those people, um, sure. not people, but those bands that you like. But you know, who are some of the bands you're listening to today, the artists? Yeah, you know, I, I, honestly, I get a lot of different influences. I'm, I'm really, um, really into a lot of different things at different times. Um, but mm-hmm. to pinpoint, I'd say, you know, consistently, and everybody says Radiohead, so I guess that's not that original an answer. But, um, you sure, know, I'm sure we don't sound that much like them. But, you know, I'm definitely a big fan of OK Computer and, and that kind of time period for them. Um, I still love the new stuff, too. But there's also a guy, Matthew Good, out of Canada that um, Brent, you know, showed me a song by him when I was in high school man, I just got hooked on it and everything he's made since then I've loved. So him and Silverchair kind of had a big influence on us early on. Oh yeah. Gosh, that's a great one. Oh my gosh. Oh man. Neon ballroom was just perfect. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They were great. Wow. Cool. That was, that was probably the biggest early influence was that one, that album in general. Mm -hmm. I think I I listened to so many times I had to buy it four times because I broke the CD listening to it. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Oh, cool. So what are some things that, uh, I mean, we know some of the stuff you guys like to do on the side, but you said that you and Brent are definitely into, you know, quoting books and shows and stuff oh, yeah. like that. So what are some of the things that you guys like in terms of TV shows and stuff like that? Yeah, so we're really weird. We're a weird mixed bag. I think, um, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure loads of people like these different things, but I don't know if there's anybody that likes them all the same way. I, 
one of my favorite things that I could watch um, till the end of my days is Three Stooges. I could watch that the rest of my life. Okay. Uh, I, I love Three Stooges, and I love old TV, Twilight Zone. I love that. Um, mm-hmm. And we even referenced that in the album. King King Nine is named after an episode of Twilight Zone. And um, okay. and then we love Aqua Teen Hunger Force and the new stuff, The probably the dumber of the new things, you know. <laughs> big always sunny in philadelphia fans and we you know we even try to slip in references to some of that stuff once in a while but and then you've got Brent is like this scholarly type and he knows all these classic pieces of literature and that works its way in once in a while i nod to it more because i i get bored with that stuff he he reads all that but we we quote a lot most my wife jokes that most everything comes out of our mouth is probably not original so no that's cool though that's great that you have all those different interests and passions that's awesome really cool so what's yeah? What are your plans for 2018? What do you guys plan to do? What's anything in the works in terms of more shows, a mini tour? What's what's going on? Well, we're kind of trying to set up a tour right now. Um, you know, Warren's helping us line up a tour between um, Savannah, Georgia, that kind of area, all the way up to DC. Okay. So pretty pretty big net. Um, you know, we've mm-hmm. we've got jobs and wives, and Brent's got a couple of kids, and so it's hard to get away for a full tour, Aww. but. We're looking at maybe making, you know, trips out of it and kind of setting up several shows in a row. Um, not trying to dictate too much of it, just letting it fall in like it does. I mean, that, you know, mm-hmm. that works so well with Warren. And, um, you know, our our game plan now is we've got a whole other album worth of songs written. And, and that's kind of my focus is always just to get, you know, albums out that are music that I wish was out there. And, you know, so we're going to do some more of that this year. Probably, probably have something done by the next year. And hopefully it doesn't take us another 10 years to do so. Got a lot more help. No, I think, yeah, I think this time you have it, you kind of know what the, the system is in terms of what you need to do. So hopefully there'll be some corners that you can uh-huh. cut this time, you know? Yeah. Yeah, hopefully. I'm trying to work smarter, not harder this time, definitely. So. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know what You know what worked last time and what areas you need to maybe, like you said, you listen to a part a little bit and then you mm-hmm. walk away from it and say it's done, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Have a bunch of guidelines. So. If I if I think about it for more than two days, I kind of have decided I'm not going to use it, so. Right, right, exactly, exactly, cool. So, yeah, so please, again, you know, let everyone know where they can find you on social media, where the album can be picked up, which is, again, it's it's a great album. I'm so happy that I was able to bring you on, Chip, and support you. And, of course, when you have some new music coming back out, you're always welcome to come on. Mm -hmm. And actually, you know what, if if you have a single come out at some point, I did, I've only done it with one band so far, but it's a new concept Mm -hmm. that I started to, kind of hash out a little bit where I'm going to do like the story behind the song. So basically you'd come on oh, cool. and just talk about the song from like beginning to end, you know, how you got the idea. Yeah. It was a cool idea that I came up with. So I was like, you know what? A lot of bands awesome. release singles today. So yeah. So if you I have think it's great. I, I appreciate your show doing this. It's it's so hard to get, you know, get a voice and that kind of thing. And yeah, you know, I thought with social Thank media, you. that was going to be easier. But I think it's a lot harder now. So I really appreciate you, you having us on and helping, you know, promote what we're trying to do and let us talk about it. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. So plug again where people can find you guys, where they can get the album, and then I'll I'll let you get rolling. Sure. So, yeah, I mean, the one I didn't mention before, Google Play, I think, has it in the Play Store. So, yeah, Google, um, you can get it on Bandcamp. We have a Bandcamp link. Bandcamp, I think it's socialvoid.bandcamp.com. Our website's just socialvoidband.com. You can get shirts, stickers, all that kind of stuff through that. And, um, yeah, you know, if anybody hears it and likes it and cares about what we're doing you know instagram we could always use more people following that's that's one way we could connect and and you know spotify it just all the all the 
typical ways, whatever's convenient for everybody else. But as long as people, you know, that I guess our goal is that people might care about it, have a chance to hear it. So. Sure. Sure. Definitely. Well, again, personally for me, I think it's phenomenal first album, really great job that you guys did. I'm looking forward to hearing some more music for you from you guys and, I hope much success comes cool. to you in, in 2018 as you start to, like you said, get your feet wet, get in some shows and all that good stuff. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. You know, absolutely. Yeah, but definitely keep in touch, Chip. Keep me uh, posted with what's going on. And I wish you and the guys much success and have a great holiday. All right. Thank you, too. All right. Well, I appreciate Thank you so it. much Thank again, you. Chip. Okay. Have a all great right, have night. Have a good one. You, too. Bye-bye. All right, everyone, again, Chip Cooley from Social Void. And uh, if for some reason you tuned in late tonight, there will be a podcast of the interview um, once it's over. So feel free to uh, download it. You can download it on iTunes or on the Block Talk Radio site that I have it hosted through. So, again, thank you so much for the support. Um, you know, as Chip mentioned, there's it's hard out there today. You know, there's not major labels like it used to be. Social media is kind of the place to be right now. So, um, yeah, continue supporting the artists, the bands. Check out some of the interviews that I've done. Usually every interview is about at least an hour long. It's in-depth. We really hone in on some, you know, different and unique things that you're not going to hear other places um, from others who interview these artists that I've had. So, again, follow these guys on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Social Void. Pick up a copy of their album, Propeller. It is out right now, and uh, again, wish them much success. Also, um, please follow me. I'm on uh, Twitter, at Carrie Edelman, as well as on Instagram, at Carrie Edelman. I have two personal Facebook pages, so if you want to connect with me that way, um, you can find the one that's not maxed out. And also, please follow my show, The Carrie Edelman Show, on Facebook. That's where I also do updates on upcoming shows, interviews, and more. So thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Hopefully there'll be some more interviews coming on before the end of the year, but uh, I have a lot of other things in the works right now. So we'll see where we go from there. But again, thanks for the support. Check out some of the artists, comedians, bands, filmmakers, all the different types of entertainers that I've had the uh, pleasure and honor of interviewing and have a great night.